What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with my man, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? Doing good, too, man. Doing fine. I'm not, and, and I, listen, let me just say this right away. I'm not making any Atlanta jokes this week. <laughs> I'm leaving that alone <laughs> until the end of the year when we have to go back to <laughs> Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave that alone until then. Um, but we're coming up on Labor Day. Um, we're a week away from Labor Day. So it's 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 getting to be crunch time um, in Major League Baseball. Um, you know, not too many divisions are really in play, you know, um, NL East is, I guess the, the AL central, but you know, it almost seems like the guardians are going to win that by default because the yeah. twins and the white Sox just can't seem to get it going. Um, yeah. The white, the white Sox are a very disappointing team this year. Man. Yeah. Yep. Cause they came into the season and I know they had their injuries coming in, but still like up and down that roster, you might have put them right up there with the Yankees, Houston, as a top two or three team. And the fact that they're under 500 right now at the end of August, that's not something that I could have predicted. I don't think anyone saw that coming. No, I think they're, they are one of the more disappointing teams, if not the most disappointing team in MLB this year. I think a lot was expected. I, I really thought they would win that division easily. Um, no one expected the Guardians to be as good as they are or to play as good as they have played. But I think the consensus was that the White Sox would win that division and would win it pretty handily. Um, and they just haven't, they've underperformed. And like you said, there's been some injuries, but I kept waiting for them to turn it on and I'm now convinced that that's not going to happen. So, um, and then I guess in, in the, in the NL central, Milwaukee's falling apart. Mm-hmm. So it seems like my favorite team, the St. Louis Cardinals are going to win that division, um, this year. Um, interesting team, St. Louis. I, I, you know what? I think St. Louis is going to be one of those teams. No one really wants to play in the playoffs. Yeah, they're they're good. They're like a really good team, and they have some guys out there who who just play ball, man. And it seems like that's kind of their mo every single season. Like you don't expect much. Suddenly they're six games up in the division, make the playoffs, and then all of a sudden they make a deep run. And I think they're playing some really inspired baseball this year, with you know Yachty retiring, Pujols on there trying to get to seven hundred, uh, Wainwright nearing the end as well. I think they're playing some inspired baseball, and it's—I know you don't like to see it, but it is a little fun to see. Yeah, <clears throat> I just can't. Yeah, I just no, <laughs> I just can't get with the Cardinals, man. The Yankees helped them out by sending them Jordan Montgomery too, who, who's been pitching pretty well for them. So my bad yeah. for that one. Yeah, <laughs> I think he had a rough outing though against. Was he, he the one that pitched the first game against the Braves? Yeah, I um, think he he was. 
Yeah, he got touched up a little bit, but you know, St. Louis ended up taking two or three from the Braves in that series. <clears throat> so yeah, St. Louis is going to be a team to be reckoned with. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of races though that are really exciting as far as division. The excitement is going to be in the wild cards as the teams jockey for position, and you know, we you know that's where it's going to be really really interesting coming down the stretch. I don't think. Um, with the exception of perhaps the NL East, I think that's a a race between two good teams with the Mets and the Braves. The AL Central I find different because even if it ends up being close, it still will be because you have an overachieving Guardians team, an underachieving White Sox team, and a team in Minnesota that you just don't know what you got there. You know what I mean? So yeah it doesn't have the same feel like it's a competitive type of a situation. It's almost like somebody has to win the division. Yeah, pretty much. I agree with that. That AL central is like, you got to win it. Like somebody has to get in. So yeah, (laughs) take it and go. Right. Right. And so we'll see. I mean, but there'll be some, some interesting storylines coming down, coming down the pike. Um, as we head into September and into October, regular season actually ends October 2nd. So, you know, we'll be playing October baseball before we get to the playoffs. But, um, but listen, man, you know, one of the things um, that I think right now is one of the biggest stories in baseball ever, uh, perhaps, is, and not the biggest, but one of them is... Uh, the MLBPA um, announcing that they are uh, attempting to unionize the minor league baseball players. Um, You know, I know for years people have said, why don't, you know, why aren't minor league players represented by the Major League Baseball Players Association? And there was an answer for that, right? (laughs) The union was not their representative. But that might change uh, with the announcement last night where the union sent out union authorization cards to the minor league players. And a unionization effort is underway in baseball. Um, I think it's one of the biggest stories uh, to come out in years um, in Major League Baseball. Hasn't really gotten a lot of traction yet. I think that's going to change. But before we get to that, what's your response to the news that the MLBPA is looking to bring minor league players into the union fold? I think it's about time, man. This is such huge news. And like you said, it hasn't really caught the traction of the mainstream media yet. Um, Hopefully it does, because this is, like you said, it's one of the biggest stories coming out of baseball in a long time. And I think, you know, for people who may not follow the minor leagues as closely or don't understand, um, minor leaguers have had to basically work in these unlivable conditions and receive these wages that are well below what they should be earning. And this Mm -hmm. is a huge step, a huge step towards fixing that up. And I think it's such a great move by the MLBPA I'm happy to see this. And I'm excited, honestly, to see what's to come. And, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that has to go on. You know, this is just the beginning. But hopefully this really takes off. And this 
this really changes the dynamic of minor league baseball and really brings them up their their living conditions their their wages all that stuff so they can really feel a part of that major league franchise you know and, and the last line in the in the what was released in the press release was what really got to me it, it's this organizing campaign is an investment in the future of our game and our player fraternity. Minor leaguers are part of that. It's not just the, the 26 guys on the major league roster or the 40-man roster. It's all the minor leaguers. And I'm glad to see this happening, man. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something, like I said, that's been talked about for years. People have said it should have happened. Um, but, you know, everything's about timing. And yeah. in the last couple of years, Advocates for Minor Leaguers has been very, very active in, you know, advocating for the rights of these minor league players, uh, filing lawsuits and engaging in other advocacy. And that has resulted in some changes. We saw some teams increase the wages of their players. Um, Tampa did that, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've seen some other teams improve the housing situation for some of their players. Um, but it hasn't been anything that's been done across the board. But, um, you know, the lawsuits, the advocacy started to work a change in the atmosphere, if you will. Um, and MLB had to come to the table to settle the lawsuit to the tune of $185 million. Um, that was just a couple of weeks ago. And so, you know, you have players who now are speaking up who are being more educated about their rights. Um, they're standing up for themselves and they were able to take down MLB, you know, with this lawsuit that MLB just knew they were going to get dismissed um, because they're all powerful, but they weren't able to do it and then had to come to the bargaining table and put up $185 million to settle. And so, you know, a lot of things were moving in the direction of these, of these players standing up for their rights And so a lot of it points to the time being right, right now, for this to happen. And I think because of that, Rob, I would be very surprised if the union was not successful, if the MLBPA was not successful in this organizing drive um, for a lot of reasons. But I think what's been going on over the past several years has made this the right time for this to happen. Yeah, and I think the big turning point was probably the season that was lost by the minor leagues, um, the 2020 COVID season where they lost the minor league game and none of these guys were paid to my, to my knowledge. I know David mm-hmm. Price was one of the players who yep. put up his own money to support some of the, the minor league guys in, in their organization. But I think that's where the casual fan started seeing, wait a minute, these guys aren't being treated fairly. And that, and I think that's kind of where you saw the traction going and the wheels starting to move. And we got to this point. And like I said, this is just one step. It's a huge, huge step. And I love to see it. But, you know, what's coming next is what's the, the great part, where these guys get to be part of that union, hopefully, and move forward with that because they deserve it. And at the end of the day, these are guys who are sacrificing everything to try to make it in this profession. And they should be treated as such to be able to make it to that next level. So I'm happy to see it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think people fully understand um, 
you know, some of the deplorable conditions that these players work under. Um, you know, I, I spent 10 years, as you know, I spent 10 years as a lawyer for the Major League Baseball Players Association. And I remember, you know, I was there from 2000 to 2010. I remember shortly after I first got there, I got a call from a player and I pulled his contract and he had two rates of pay. He had a rate of pay for every day that he was in the major leagues and he had a lower rate of pay for every day that he was in the minor leagues. They call those split contracts, right? Mm -hmm. So I pulled this contract and I saw his pay on the minor league side and I said, oh, okay, so you get paid $2,700 a month in the, in the minor leagues. And he goes, no, 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 no. I could pay $2,700. I was wow. like, what? Well, and the wow. minor league season is five months. And, you know, like right now, rookie ball players get paid $4,800 for the year. They're professional players. If you're in, if you're in, a ball, you get paid eleven thousand. Now you could you could get some more. Like some players are getting more, but not most of them. Most of them are not. If you're in double A, you're making thirteen thousand two hundred dollars for the year. Wow. The poverty line is thirteen thousand five hundred. So that means at three levels of the minor league system, they're below poverty level. Then you get to AAA. Oh, you're really rolling in dough. You're making $15,400. Now, again, there are some exceptions, some players. You got some veteran players. You got some guys who played in the minor leagues, in the major leagues, who are now in the minor leagues at AAA. They're making more money. And, yes, you got some guys who got big bonuses in the draft, and they're down there. But, hey, they're different because they got bonus. But those are the exceptions, mm -hmm. right? The majority of these players – are working for substandard wages. They are below the poverty level. And, you know, that to me is, is just one of the things that the union, if they were to unionize, the union's going to be able to address to make better for these players. And that's huge, man, because to add to that, there are a lot of these guys who are coming from very poor countries. Yep. And having to leave their families and everything behind and then moving here. And with that wage they're getting, they're trying to support the family back home as well. And that and that's a huge thing that I think people also miss out and, and maybe don't see because it's not talked about. Um, you know, what's talked about is how this prospect is, is um, categorized, where what's his expected ETA to the MLB, stuff like that. that that's what they're more focused on. Um, but this is the stuff that the dirty work, the, the stuff that's not talked about, the behind the scenes things that is finally coming to light. And we're able to see it not just as people who are invested in the game of baseball, but also people who are casual fans who may not follow it too in, too in detail. So I'm glad this is coming out. I'm glad, you know, you're able to highlight those numbers, Jeff, because these are things that even I didn't know all those numbers. So I'm glad to be educated by you and hearing this because it, it deserves to be highlighted. It deserves to be out there. And, and listen, man, like I, I keep repeating it, but this is a huge, huge first step and I cannot wait. And I hope that they do unionize and, and go through with this. Yeah, no doubt about it, Rob. I mean, because, you know, one of the things, you know, that if you think, you think, let's think about the benefits that major league players have being unionized. First of all, you have a collective bargaining agreement, which means you have rules to the game, right? 
the teams and the leagues can't do anything they want to the players, right? Because yep. you have a CBA, right? You have a collective bargaining agreement. There's rights and obligations on both sides of the table, right? And so players have some protections, you know, so they have, obviously they have a great wage system, right? Now, this is not to say minor league players are going to get the major league wage system. They're not, right? Because they're not generating that type of revenue. But Rob, they're generating more revenue than you would think. You know what I mean? They're generating more revenue than you than you would think. You know, yeah. um, I read somewhere that in in 2019, before the pandemic, the minor leagues generated about 865 million dollars in revenue. Wow! They're not like they're poor. They're just not sharing the money with the players. Yeah. But you know, major league players have good wages. You know, if they if they have to you know, um, travel, they got good travel arrangements and hotels and they got good benefits in terms of pensions and, and healthcare, those types of things. The IP rights are protected, right? Their intellectual property rights where they can, they have the right to go to the marketplace and sell their name, image, and likeness. Minor league players don't even have that. They have substandard oh. housing. They don't have IP rights. They don't have due process rights. You know what I mean? So if if something happens to a major league player, he can file a grievance, right? He has due process rights. Minor league players? <laughs> no. So oh. it's a game changer all the way around. It changes not only wages, but housing and and intellectual property and benefits and, um, you know, you, you name it. Uh, there, there are so many things that could be improved um, if they were to unionize. And, and I think that's the thing. And, you know, for years, Rob, we read, we read the stories about how minor league players were six to a room, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, eating, you know, cheese and crackers and stuff like that. Or, you know, in some of these towns, some families would take in minor league players, sort of like you take in an exchange student. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They would take them into their home because they couldn't afford to have a place to live and eat on, you know, $10,000 over five months. I mean, Rob, this and, is crazy. And even some working second jobs, third jobs, on top of having to, you know, play baseball, train during the, the off season or before games on off days and still having to do Ubers or Instacart yeah. or whatever it is that they're doing on the side just to earn a little extra money so they can eat that day. And, and do you know, you know, a few years back, players had filed a Fair Labor Standards Act case saying they weren't being paid, you know, uh, according to the Fair Labor Standards Act, which, you know, requires you to get paid at a certain rate of pay. And you, do you know Major League Baseball said, no, 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 these these are specialty workers. They're sort mm. of like, you know, those workers that, you know, seasonal workers that, you know, come around, uh, work a couple of months a year and all the rest of it because there's certain special exemptions for season, seasonal workers. And so that's what they argued. Um, and then they got Congress behind them to pass some act to keep the players from pursuing their rights under the Fair Labor Standards Act. So MLB has used its muscle in the past to squash these players. If the players are unionized, 
Rob, that's going to end. That's the whole point of being unionized. You finally have the power of the collective, right? To sit down at a bargaining table and to negotiate your terms and conditions of employment, right? So no longer will MLB just simply say, this is how it's going to be. They will have to deal with with the union. But as you kept you've been saying throughout you know, our conversation here, the unionization effort that we've known right now with the unionized with the cards going out to the to the players, it's only the first step. Right? It's only the first step. Yeah. Now the players have to vote in favor of the union. And Rob, I would have to think, I'm interested in your take on this, but I would have to think that given the substandard wages, given the substandard housing, you know, no benefits really to speak of, um, no IP rights to speak of, uh, no due process rights to speak of. It would seem to me that players would almost automatically vote yes for the union, right? Yeah. I mean, life would be better for them. And so, um, I don't know. I, it seems to me that the cards are are in place here for the union to be successful. But again, as you said, it's the first step. But I would have to think that players would would be over, you know, just excited at the opportunity to become a part of the Major League Baseball Players Association. Yeah, I think they they must have been throwing parties, man, once they got these cards. <laughs> because yeah. this is such a great opportunity for them to finally capitalize where, you know, players past, even current major league players had had to experience all this stuff. And now these guys, you know, get to be part of that big change. So I would think everyone's voting yes. And, you know, unless they want to figure out more information, which is which is fine. Because, you yeah. know, there, there is going to be a different side to it. More stuff is going to come out, more details and all that. But I think, you know, when you get this card, whether it's in the mail or however they receive these cards, voting yes would be, you know, start there. And, and then let's figure out everything else because this is such a huge thing. It's such a difference maker. I mean, you highlighted all the stuff that that comes with it. I, I can't I can't imagine not voting yes on, on something like this, man. Yeah, I mean, same, same here. Um, but as you said, I mean, you know, typically, Rob, you know, I, I, I've come out of the, you know, I come out of the labor movement even before I was at the MLBPA. I was, you know, I worked in, in organized labor, and typically, when you have a union campaign, union organizing drive, the employer engages in an anti-union campaign. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and the employer goes on the offensive, telling the employees why they don't need a union and all the benefits of keeping a union out. And some employers actually start firing, you know, key employees. When I say key employees, those employees who are staunch union advocates or union leaders, all of a sudden they start making their lives miserable. Or like I said, they may fire them in order to intimidate the other workers, right? to not support the union. So you you see a lot of that in, in the normal industrial process. I don't think we'll see as much of that here, but who knows, but I do think MLB is going to engage 
in an anti-union campaign. And it may be one that scares players, you know, um, you know, and I think one of the things <laughs> we're probably going to hear is MLB saying, if there's a union, then, you know, we might not be able to sustain the minor mm-hmm. leagues. Yep. You know, and that's, and that's kind of where I was hinting at with that too, because um, we saw a big chunk of minor league uh, teams yep. already mm-hmm. get eliminated. Mm-hmm. And I think once this process comes in, you know, now the lower levels, low A, um, rookie ball, things like that, we may see on the fence, we'll call it. So it, it'll be interesting to see what the pushback will be from the MLB side with these yeah. conversations ongoing. Yeah. But you want to know something about back in 1966 when the MLBPA formed, you know what MLB said? If the union forms, it's going to destroy baseball. So, in other words, it's the same <laughs> argument. <laughs> they said it when the MLBPA was forming, right? Yeah, that it was going. And 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 employers often say that if the union comes in, I got to go out of business. It's just a threat most yeah. of the times, if not all of the times. Um, but you know, we haven't heard anything yet. Interestingly enough, right, uh, this story broke last night as we're talking. We're talking on Monday night. This story broke on Sunday evening or Sunday night yeah. with, the, with the MLBPA sending out union union card, union authorization cards to minor league players. And as we're talking here now on Monday evening, haven't heard anything yet from MLB, which I take as a sign of them getting their legal and strategic uh, ducks in a row before they come out with any kind of public uh, response. Um, I haven't seen anything from any players as of yet either, but I would imagine that's going to change as as guys get to the ballpark and get interviewed. Uh, but have you seen anything from players so far? I have not yet. Um, not I'm checking now and I don't see anything. So I assume, like you said, it'll probably come out in the next day or two when you know, the Max Scherzers or whoever, Zach Brain, I think, is in the union and the executive board. Um, and, and some of those guys are going to get interviewed in the next day or two. And we'll see. Stuff is, you know, we'll see what they say. Um, but, yeah, I haven't seen anything from the MLB side or any of the players at this point. Yeah. But I think one of the things we have to keep our eye on in the next couple of days is um, one of the things is – you know, how many players are voting yes? You know, because, you know, you might have seen the reports, you know, under the law, if there's 30%, if 30% of the uh, players in this case say, yes, I want the union, then they, you know, then the PA can go to the National Labor Relations Board and petition for an election. Yeah. Now, now I will tell you, you know, the way I grew up in the labor movement, no union does that um, in the typical situation you know just get 30 percent and then go because that's the minimum that you would need um to trigger the right for an election most unions will get 50 60 or even more percent um of, of the cards signed and then petition for the election because they understand something between the time they petition for an election and the time you have an election there's going to be some attrition some mm-hmm. of the, some of the people who said yes are going to be intimidated by the employer, fired, or, you know what I mean? Something's going to happen 
and that 50% is going to turn to 40% or less. So if you only have 30%, right, you may lose even that, you know, a portion of that before you even get started. So most unions get far more than that. And I would imagine that the MLBPA is going to do that as well. I don't think they're going to get 30% and run to the labor board and say, let's have an election. Yeah. I think they'll let the cards continue to come in because I think they should, they probably believe that a sizable majority will, will sign the cards, you know, now they could, if they got a sizable majority, they could go to MLB and say, voluntarily recognize us. But most employers don't do Mm. that. They make, they make the employees go through the election. So it's going to, I mean, I think there's layers here, you know, in in the coming days and weeks to see how this campaign on both sides, on the union side and on MLB side, how it plays out. And you know what else is really interesting? The MLB network. (laughs) (laughs) Because you have to believe that, that MLB will use its network is television network, you know, for some anti-unionization propaganda. <laughs> yeah. That's that's almost expected, man. Oh it yeah. happened, it, you know, you kind of saw it during the lockout a little bit where the news yep. they were reporting was very different than what was actually happening. So and then even when when the lockout ended, like kind of the, the narrative they were they were talking about, I would say, was yeah. very different. Um, it just had a different tone to it. So I would expect nothing less this time around as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait either. But Rob, I'm telling you, man, you know, you know, it's it's just a funny thing. You know, as I, as I go back to that story when I said, man, I didn't realize that the wages were so low. You know what I mean? And because who would think? that a professional athlete, because they're professionals, if they're getting paid, they're professionals, right? Yes. Would be paid so low. Below poverty level, that's embarrassing. It is. And then expected to perform at an elite level. Yes. You know, and that that's the mental strain of it alone. Yeah. Is, is concerning. Never yeah. mind everything else. It it really is amazing. It really is amazing. But, you know, maybe, you know, this is something that, as you said, is the first step of a major shift in in Major League Baseball, right, Uh, where you're now going to have minor league players represented by Major League Baseball Players Association. So we will stay tuned on this one. And, um, and see, you know, how things develop. Um, and listen, before we, before we leave, man, we got to touch on our, our teams, you know, I always got to talk about my Mets. See, it's funny how I always talk about my Mets now because they're good. Like last year, <laughs> the year before when the Mets weren't good, <clears throat> anybody who listened to us know he never talked about the Mets as much as he talks about them now. <laughs> Come on, man. Act like you know. It was nothing to talk about, okay? Yeah. When you win, you got some stuff to talk about, right? So, you know, the Mets are doing better this year, so it's stuff to talk about. But 
you know, you and I were talking about the Yankees before we went live here. Um, and I, I would have, I would have to say that most Yankee fans were disappointed with the last two games in Oakland. No, I mean, they won the first two on a five game winning streak and then lost the last two. And look, the Yankees playoff position is secure but you just want them to hit some real consistency and play good baseball, don't you? You definitely do, man. And listen, we're riding pretty high. They, they beat the your Mets two games in a row, swept that. <laughs> yeah, exactly what that I asked for. I asked for a sweep <laughs> and they gave it to me. They sure but um, yeah, you know, then they go into Oakland and you kind of expect at least minimum three out of four in Oakland. Yeah. You know, maybe you, you know, baseball play does his baseball thing and the Yankees lose a the game there. Uh, but they ended up splitting the series and losing the last two. And then last night's game, they just came out so flat. Mm. And you could kind of see it in the body language, the energy. It was yeah. super flat. And it, and it was like, if you're going to lose the game, lose it because you were playing hard and the team just played a little bit better than you, you know, because Oakland is capable of winning games. Sure, they're a baseball team. They're going to win some games and they're going to lose a lot more. But don't don't go out there and play flat in a game like that those are games that you have to win especially late in the season where you know the blue jays will lose a game the rays will lose a game and and getting that extra game in the standings while yeah they have a good lead and and i think they're going to end up winning the division no problem but just gaining that extra game here and there when you're a team that's been struggling for the last we'll say month and change that's huge so to Mm -hmm. see them play flat like that um it was more disappointing like i said i'm not in panic mode they they were will, you know they pull off a five game winning streak so they're capable of playing good baseball against good teams, but I need to see consistency. You know they're going against the Angels now, so I expect a sweep to be honest, or at the very least win the just win the series, win the first game, and then take the series. That's what I need the Yankees to do. Just play play better baseball overall. Don't come out into a game looking flat. That's all I ask for, Jeff. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the good thing for the Yankees this year is that I really believe, as of right now, and things could change, but I really believe that right now the only team they have to be concerned with is Houston. Yeah. I really do. I think they're better than all the other if the you know, all the other teams that as of right now are in the postseason and even those who still have a chance to get in. I think they're better than them. Um, doesn't mean that they automatically win, but I think they're better than Toronto and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, if they hit their stride and get a little bit, you know, get their feet under them, get a little bit healthier, may be a little bit of a concern going forward. But right now, the only one, as of right now, to me, it's Houston. I think the Yankees can beat Toronto. I think they push come to shove. I think they'll beat Tampa Bay. Um, I don't count anybody in the West. I mean, in its central as worthy of a conversation. Um, So I think it's Houston. But, um, you know, but again, that's just on paper, Rob. You know, and I think to your point, you have to play better. You just can't, you know, roll the pinstripes out there and go, we're going to win. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So we'll see. Um, They got a good month or so to, to get it together. At least they're showing some signs. Right. Um, I think this week's an important week for them. You know, they have to have another good week to build upon 
what was a pretty good week last week, despite the last two games in Oakland, you know, so. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the building blocks, you know, is what you say. Mm-hmm. If they can, I don't know how many games they play this week. I don't know if they play the full week. But if you play six games in a week and you can take four, I'll take that. You know, go four and yeah. two in six games, stuff like that, you know, win seven out of ten. That's kind of where you start building that momentum and eventually, you know, you get things going. You're like, all right, this is how we used to play. And I know they're getting healthy now, too. They just got Clay mm-hmm. Holmes back today. John Carlos is back. He's got to find his stride. So little by little, you hope that as these guys start coming back, they start to start to win two out of three, three out of four, five out of seven, and really start building momentum towards October. Yeah. Well, we'll we shall see. Um, last thing before we before we leave, um, you have any thoughts on? the extensions that we've been seeing, you know, Michael Harris with the Braves signed an extension that could pay him $102 million if the options are exercised. I believe the guaranteed money is $77 million. Um, Julio Rodriguez with the Mariners signed a deal that guarantees him $210 million and could, could go as high as, four hundred million dollars or over four hundred million dollars four seventy i believe um if the options are exercised by the club and it will be a 14-year deal by the way um but you know there have been some options some extensions that have been done in august which is not usually the time you see extensions typically you see them in spring training mm-hmm. um so the timing of the extensions um and then like in the case of both Julio Rodriguez and Michael Harris, these are two players who don't even have a year of experience and they're being extended. And we even saw it, you know, in spring training with Juan DeFranco, who is another player who had less than a year of major league service. And he got, you know, $182 million. Um, what are your thoughts, man, of, of, these extensions, either the timing or the dollars and, and the time major league service wise in which these players are signing. Uh, first of all, I don't know what Atlanta is doing because they sign everybody to long-term deals and I love it. They're keeping hmm. their core intact for, you know, they started with Acuna, then Albies and they're signing all these guys to deals that when you look at it, it's like, wow, they signed for like a hometown discount kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But these guys are still getting paid. They're getting their money. Um, I like I like seeing guys get their money. I'm all I'm, I'm pro player, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Um, but yeah, it is weird to see these extensions happening so early in in their careers, where like you said, they don't have a full year of service yet, and then they're getting these massive extensions. And I think it it boils down to the development of players and how good these players are right out the gate, um, and just how great these players are in general. You know, Julio Rodriguez is a guy expected to be a star, and he's come out into the scene, and he hasn't disappointed. He's done a great job with Seattle, really led that team. And the same thing with Harris, who just came on and was just knocking the cover off the ball left and right. So, I mean, it's surprising to see it, especially, like you said, the timing being in August and these guys signing long-term extensions. But I think it's a trend that we're going to continue to see with younger players who – come into the league and just continue their their great pace 
continue um, their great production from the minor leagues up to the major league level. I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see this. And, and instead of avoiding situations like what we what we will see with Aaron Judge and the Yankees, where they had a chance maybe to lock him up a couple of years ago, and instead he's going into free agency. Um, so yeah, man, keep 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 signing those checks. That's what I gotta say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, if, I, I agree with all you, that you said. It's it's surprising. It's good to see players getting paid. One of my concerns is, you know, and it sounds crazy when you see the numbers being, th- you know, paid out, but <laughs> are players getting their value? And I know yeah. that sounds crazy, right? Because you say that's a lot of money. That's not the point. It's not the point whether it's a lot of money. It's whether they're getting their value. And I think that's a question for another day. We can get into detail on that, but that's a legitimate question. But you know what you know what I think, Rob, real quickly, man, is this. I look at these deals and I say, okay, these clubs are spending money like they got it. And like mm-hmm. they know they're gonna have it. So I'm thinking to myself, the business is flush right now. And so they could say all they want about the effects of the pandemic or whatever. But one of the things I know about these sports leagues, they're never looking at today. Their eyes are always on the future. And I and I don't know, Rob, where the money's coming from. I don't know if it's coming from sports gambling. I don't know if it's coming from streaming. I don't know where it's coming from. But these clubs understand something. They got money coming. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know. And so that's why they're not hesitant to go out here and engage in this kind of conduct, locking up players really early. Because especially when you have control over a player for at least six seasons, depending upon whether you option him or not. It could be seven or eight seasons, right? You have control over that player. And you can just say, yeah, I think he's good, but let me see how he plays, right? You could at least do that for a couple of years. Now, if he continues to be a superstar, the price of the ticket could go higher, but at least at that point, you know what you have. To do it so early a guy like Julio Rodriguez, you think, yeah, he's a can't-miss guy. Michael Harris, he's a good player. He's not Julio Rodriguez. Yeah. I mean, look at their contracts. Their contracts say he's not Julio Rodriguez. Right? Yeah. One guy got 70, the other guy got <laughs> 210, right? So why don't – you know what I'm saying? So when clubs could wait but don't, there's a reason why, <laughs> okay? I don't know. I'm not saying I know what the reason is. But I believe it has to do with their fiscal confidence. They know they got money and they know more is in the pipeline. And maybe we'll see over the next year or two, you know, some big deals being announced or, you know, some big stories coming out about how much revenue has come from different sources that right now are, you know, sort of in their beginning stages. You know what I'm saying? So. So that's we'll a see, great man. point. That's a great point because <laughs> I laugh because during the lockout, as these guys are fighting, MLB signed a deal with Apple and I believe Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. And yep. it's like, you're fighting right here, but you just got two gigantic TV deals. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you have to feel more is coming because that's where the yeah. world is going now with streaming. And yep. again, I don't think we've seen yet the impact of 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 sports of sports betting, no, you know no. what I mean, in terms of it being a real revenue generator for the leagues. 
I don't yeah. think we've really tapped into that yet, but we will. Oh, and the other thing that's coming too under the CBA, patches on uniforms. Mm, that's true. Yep, I forgot about that. That's another revenue stream that they didn't have before. So I think that the, the teams are looking at all this and probably things that I haven't discussed and we're not thinking about and saying, fellas, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got some money coming in. <laughs> okay. And they're locking up guys. And when they lock up guys, you know what they do? They take them out of arbitration and they take them out of free agency. Yeah. Right. And yep. they have fixed labor costs, which I think help them with, you know, having depreciating assets and, and all the rest of that stuff when they want to do business in the marketplace and when they want to sell the team. And so I think it has all these residual benefits as well. So this is not about, you know, it's never about clubs wanting to be nice to players. That's not, that's, no. <laughs> this is business. bro. <laughs> <laughs> this is business, man. So anyway, but it's good to see players getting paid because that is life-changing money. There's no doubt about that for, for, for both, um, you know, Michael Harris and for Julio Rodriguez, Austin Riley signed for over $200 million. So congratulations yep. to him. Um, and, you know, there's going to be other players as well. I think Dansby Swanson's about to resign too with the Braves, and he's probably going to go forego free agency and yeah. he's going to stay with the Braves. So, to your point about how the Braves lock up their core, if they sign Swanson before the end of the season, that's another, that's, that's more evidence of that, that very point. So, we'll see. Yeah, should be good. Yep. Should be good. All right, brother. Well, listen, I hope you have um, a good week. I um, hope the Yankees have a good week. Hope my Mets have a good week. They have the Dodgers coming into City Field starting Tuesday. Um, so that's going to be a good series, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then, um, you know, they have to go on from there. And and I'm just hoping my Mets can continue to play some good baseball and let's see them in the postseason. So, all right, brother, listen, um, we're going to get on up out of here right now, but uh, it's good talking with you, and we'll come back next week. We'll do it again, another edition of Sports 360, and we'll see what stories we'll be covering at that point. But until then, be good, brother, and we'll talk again next week. <laughs>